0: Right. And you're talking one on one with 10 clients that you know that you can help solve the problem. So I think that's why um, it's, it's so important to, to niche down because you don't need thousands of customers. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast,
1: episode 256. And today, let's bust the myths about niching down and discover how it's the perfect way to accelerate your sales. You're ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's your host, Melanie Benson, Authority Amplifier. Today is a special episode. I've got in the spotlight my VIP client, Paul Higgins, and he's joining me to talk about one of his specialty areas, niching down to accelerate sales. But it's a unique conversation today because We talk about how I put him through a process to help him uncover his unique niche and, you know, get out of his blind spot a little bit. And it's a really, really interesting, intriguing, and up leveling conversation that I know you're going to get massive value out of. Now, niching down is a part of understanding who your ideal client really is. And Paul and I are going to talk about how he really had to dig deeper to take away some of the distractions and some of the myths that he'd fallen prey to before we started working together and double down to really uncover his niche. It's a really powerful process and I cannot wait to share it with you. I would highly suggest you head over right now to my authorityamplifiers.com This is my downloadable roadmap with all eight steps required to amplify your reach, amplify your sales, and become the highly paid authority in your market. And I've included a training for a limited time that will help you figure out how to pull all these pieces together. And if you're curious about coaching, what that might look like together. Now head over to authorityamplifiers.com, get the free download, and now let's get into today's episode. Well, welcome back, Amplifiers. I'm so excited. I have a delightful guest today. It's very special, and I'll explain why in a minute. But let me introduce you to my friend, Paul Higgins. We're going to be talking about how to niche down to accelerate your sales. Now, Paul is a sales strategist, a lead generator. He's host of Accelerate Sales Podcast. He's an author, and he's a business growth strategist for consultants and SaaS partners. Paul has 28 years of experience in sales and marketing, finishing up an 18-year gig at Coca-Cola, driving their marketing strategy for a $700 million plus business unit. In 2001, he left to manage his inherited kidney condition and had a successful transplant in February, 2019. He's even got the pictures to prove he was working while he was getting his treatments. With his newfound energy, Paul loves to run his business, spend time with his family and give back, which is what makes you such an extraordinary person, Paul. Thanks so much for joining me today, all the way from Australia.
0: Yeah, great to be here, Melanie, and uh, thanks for the lovely introduction.
1: You're so welcome. And full disclosure, Paul and I have been doing some work together, uh, just like expanding and amplifying the reach of his work in the world. So we're going to be sharing a little bit about that throughout this uh, conversation today, because our topic is exactly very perfectly aligned with some of the work that we did together. So it's it's kind of a great full circle, right, Paul? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: So a little sip of tea here for my afternoon, and let's just roll right into this concept of niching. And I'm going to start, I just want to kind of lay this groundwork for a minute because I have had people who, when I suggest niching, they just completely resist. They're like, no way I can help so many people. Why would I limit myself? So Paul, in the experience that you've had up to now, like why do you think it's helpful for an entrepreneur or even like a bigger business to really niche?
0: Yeah, well, I'll always remember working at Coca-Cola and, the you know coca-cola brand managers you know would stand up there and you know all they all they ever talked about was you know the brand uh coke and they were so involved in it right and then once this fanta guy got up now remember fanta was about you know five percent of the total portfolio right so very small mix and he said look you know of the whole you know everything you remember here you're not going to remember much about me, right? Because ultimately you're focused on selling lots of Coke. So he said, I'm just a speck in your day. But he said, stop for a minute and just think about soft drinks. And soft drinks is a speck in the consumer's day, right? So we get so involved in ourselves that we forget the fact that other people, our consumers, have got busy lives, right? And they just don't sit there and think about soft drink every day. And to me, that story's always stuck with me because we do the same thing in our businesses, right? We're so engrossed in what we do, we forget to realise that other people have got very busy lives, right? So you think when an expert reaches out to help you, right, it's just, you know, yes, it may be very important to that particular, particular time, but you've got lots of other things happening. You've got COVID, you've got, you, know, you name it. So to me, I think if someone can hit your LinkedIn profile and they can say, okay, you've just saved me a lot of time by saying, do you work for someone like me? And do you solve the problems that I've got? And that spec in that day or that little moment where they come onto your profile and they know that you're exactly for them, I think that's how you get traction versus making it so hard for someone and saying like with Coke, hey, we sell Coke to everyone. Everyone drinks Coke, right? The ads were always is very specific to their ideal target market. So even Coke had a very tight target market, but it didn't mean that everyone else couldn't drink the product. So to me, niching or niching, I think is one of the most powerful things you can do. So you can make it easy for people that you love to work with.
1: Mm. And you just said the key statement that I love to hear, we make it easy. And I think part of it is, is we're making it easy for people to say, Yes, they know who I am. They're going to get my business. They're going to get my unique situation in the world, and they're going to be able to help me. So, what is it like? Let's just clarify even more. Like, what does it mean to pick a niche? Is it are we limiting ourselves, or you know, like how do we know we've really niched properly? I guess is the question I want to ask you.
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing is, you know, and amplify your authority is about being an authority in a particular area, right? So. It depends what business, but, you know, most of us are coaches, consultants, service-based business owners, right? And ultimately, we don't need lots of clients, right? We all, you know, yes, you know, people talk about complicated funnels and, you know, you'll listen to a lot of marketing, but ultimately, for some of us, we might only need, you know, working one-on-one, you might only need 10 clients at a time to meet your revenue objectives, right? So you don't need... To, I always use the stadium analogy, right? You effectively aren't going to the masses in the crowd saying, hey, pick me. You're standing in the middle of the oval saying, pick me, pick me, right? Versus you're in a super box, right? And you're talking one-on-one with 10 clients that you know that you can help solve the problem. So I think that's why um, it's it's so important to, to niche down because you don't need thousands of customers. If you're a, you know, if you're a SaaS platform, if you're a, you know, a a marketing agency that's, you know, maybe then therefore you need lots and lots of, you know, a, a really large audience, right? And then you do a numbers game. But if you're an authority, you don't need that. People are seeking you and the people are seeking you are coming to you for a specific reason that's, well, that's what you taught me anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Melon.
1: Full circle moment.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about
1: some of the work we were doing with you because I think it's such a great, and I've recently niched down too, like full, like I just be completely transparent here. Like we have gone through different phases of uh, niching down, niching up, niching down. And, and so recently in the last two years, we really started niching down again. And uh, our niche is working with people who build a business around their expertise and they're ready to scale so it's not just like i'm a brand new person who has never had uh, a business and now i'm going to launch my coaching business it's they are ready to scale and i just dis- i distinguish that because i realized that not everybody building a business around their expertise is ready for what I teach and where I excel, where my superpowers can help people. So that's a little bit about my own uh, niching down, but Paul, like maybe share a little bit about what that experience was like for you. And what did you learn about where your superpowers are that helped you niche down?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when I first came to, I was uh, looking to help coaches and consultants and by definition, I've already split my audience, you know, coaches and consultants. I'm sort of taking a, a bet on, on both sides. And then it's like, well, of coaches, w- what sort of coaches? Is it a business coach? Is it a life coach? Like, you know, there's, it's, it's such a, um, yes, it in a way it's coming down in the market, um, but really it's still such a broad term. and And to me, I found it hard when someone came to my profile to really talk about specific pain points and in particular specific solutions because it was too broad right and that's what you and I talked about because there's lots of coaches and consultants and not are all not all uh, are all equal so you know working with you I sort of went through well you know which type of consultants do I really want to work with because I realized that coaches are great but most of them can't scale their business right and if you're a coach that's not being disrespectful because you've made that choice right you've made the choice unless you're going to run a coaching business, mostly it's about you and you can scale with online courses and and memberships, so there are ways, but, you know, you're doing it because you love it uh, in most cases, whereas consultants is a little different where you can have people working for you and you can scale it. So I think we got to the point of, okay, consultants, and then it was like, well, what sort of consultants do you love to work with? And I think that's where, you know, sometimes you forget the – the, your background or the benefits that you've got. So you know, I, was, uh, I built uh, with a business partner, we built up a tech consulting business, which was effectively a cloud partner. So we sold specific software and we did consulting, right? But we built that up and sold it to a Google partner. Now, for whatever reasons, uh, I think COVID was part of it. I, I don't know, but I sort of let, I thought it was like I left it. I'd sold it. So therefore I'd left the industry. And it wasn't that at all. It's like something I'm passionate about, something I love to do. And, and that's when you said, well, actually, you know, like consultants is pretty broad. What about cloud partners? Like I know Microsoft has 300,000 of them alone. You know, there might be over a million of them. And is there anyone servicing that market specifically at the moment? So you've got the experience, right? You've already been there. You've done that. Who's doing that at the moment? And, you know, you and I realize that there really isn't anyone at the moment that's owning that market. So to me, that was my version of how I went from too broad into, you know, niching or niching down to something that I'm passionate about. I've got really good skills and experience about, and also something that I do believe I know the results or know how to get results for people. Mm -hmm.
1: It was such an extraordinary experience to watch you get that clarity because there was a moment when you went, that's it. And it felt very aligned and exciting. So I might even offer to the Amplify community today as you're listening into this, that an aha moment around you getting into the right niche is you're super excited and it just feels right. And it's not to say you won't have a little bit of that stretchy energy. It's like, really? Can I do this? Is this really going to work? You might have some of those questions come up. That's natural. But I would say if it feels really off, you probably aren't there yet. Would you yeah. agree?
0: Yeah. And you know, like I was unhappy, like to externally, I was. I was happy to the world, but, but, you know, like from a mindset perspective, it was, it was a struggle for me and I've, mm-hmm. I've never struggled, you know, like, you know, I've, I've gone through, as you mentioned in the intro, you know, I've gone through uh, dialysis, a transplant. I'm very tenacious. I've always looked for the upside, but, but I was, that upside was starting to cloud over those sunny days were starting to cloud over. And I think that's because, you know, like my podcast was called build, live, give, Right. But what does that really mean? Like, does anyone ever search build, live, give? It was a great philosophy. And actually, my company was called build, live, give as well. So, you know, yes, it's what I believe in is build a great business, live a good life to give back. But does that really help solve someone's problem? Does it make it easy for them in two minutes to work out what it is? And that's when you, you know, we went through different variations, but we ended up with Accelerate Sales Podcast, which now, you know, accelerate your sales to scale. So it's got a journey and it's, you know, it's it's got um, something that people within the cloud partners would resonate more with. So I think, you know, those changes made a massive difference. So now when I talk about when I get on my podcast, it's a lot more specific. I can give very tangible outcomes versus something that was more a nice to have, which was build, live, give. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. You've made yourself relevant and indispensable for your ideal clients. And I think that's a great sign you're in the right niche with two of the other factors. So let's talk about the factors of a niche down business, because there were several things that you had to shift in your business and in your business model to really be fully in alignment with this, what we might even consider like a bit of a rebrand. And you just mentioned the, the messaging and the branding. So your brand has to match that and your messaging has to match that so that your ideal clients re- realize how relevant you are, right? So was there yes. anything else that in the work you're doing with clients and in the work we did, you recognize, wow, this had to change to really match this niche I'm picking for myself?
0: Yeah, well, I do think that, uh, you know, my learnings for me at Coca-Cola is that, you know, a, a clear message is so important, right? So, you know, in a meeting at Coca-Cola, if, if an advertising agency ever came in and they didn't put the hyphen between Coca-Cola, right, it was like, you know, it was the end of the world. That's how much that the brand meant to them and protecting the brand because we were custodians of a brand that was over 150 years old, right? And and I think for me, it's like every touch point that someone has with you, a potential client has with you should be in alignment, right? So yes, you know, you start... To me, I think the LinkedIn profile is the easiest place to start these days because that's where most people will come into your world is through your LinkedIn profile. But it's then it's like every other touch point. And now I've got a you know a whole Asana checklist of every time we well, hopefully we don't do this again in uh, in a short period of time, but we've got everything now listed. But it's it's like every touch point, you know, how do you actually have your brand well represented. And, and when you line all that up, you'd be amazed at how many touch points you actually have. And therefore, there is quite a lot of change. And um, I think part of it, just quickly, is that you need to do some research as well to make sure that the change is the right thing. So go and talk to your new perspective clients to really understand it. Because my experience as a cloud partner may be very different to the experience that someone else is having. So talking to people and researching, that was also very important for the words that I use and the terminologies that we use as we change all of those marketing assets.
1: Mm, well said. You know, I would just, if I was going to put it into like three concise pillars to evaluate, like you're as you're doing your checklist. And side note, you have the most amazing checklists. Like, Paul, you are the systems guy in my mind. Like, I, I officially give you king of systems. <laughs> Cause I, when I would see some of your systems, I was like, oh my God, those are amazing. So you are well, really good at the systems of, of uh, businesses, but I, I digress. So three, three key things. We talked about the, the positioning of the brand. I would call an authority positioning, right? Like, are you positioned as an authority? And that was a big touch point for you to look at all the places, your podcast, your books, everything that you've designed to attract clients. Secondly is the message, we talked about that. Third is the offers. So one of the things that I think a lot of people forget to look at as they niche down and really like hone in a specific kind of client is, okay, so does my is my offer relevant and irresistible to that client? So talk a little bit about your experience with looking at an offer, like what someone is delivering to that ideal client. Where do we need to look at niching down around that?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a great point. And, you know, when I work with clients one-on-one, it's, you know, we identify, you know, who their ideal client is. And I suppose that's part of the niching process, right? Mm-hmm. So we do that. And then most importantly is, you know, understanding exactly what their their problems are. And, you know, you've all heard this to, to death, so I won't repeat that. But then it's like, well, how do we get offers that solve those? And how do you construct those offers? And, you know, I had um, a table, well, I have a table that I go through, which has got all the elements that you need to an offer, which I think a lot of people, you know, don't look at it that holistically. And, you know, we listed all of those. And then from your free, which might be a quiz, uh, a lead magnet, except to write through to your highest paid, uh, what are those offers that are going to help solve those problems? And, you know, you and I spent some, some good time because I, um, you know, for example, I had a, a sprint, right? So it was all about, you know, we'll work on a, a 12-week sprint. But the content and the value that I added was so much more than 12 weeks. So it came to a, a, an awkward period at the end of the 12 weeks. It was like, well, you know, most people are like, oh, well, we're done, 12 weeks is over. I'm like, but actually, we've got all this other stuff to to do, right? So I'd box myself in a corner, whereas you said, you know, why don't we make it a nine-month journey, right? Make it a three-month minimum so that people know they're going to get the value in the first three months, but it's a nine-month journey, and these are the key elements. And just rephrasing that offer made a significant difference in the sales cycle because I didn't have to go through all this pain after three months to then sell people into the next you know, six months. It was like, no, it's a nine-month program with a three-month minimum. So that was a very specific example that we worked through on, on that offer. But seeing it all on one page and all the elements, I think, really helps people. And ultimately, if you don't have an offer that converts, you don't have a business. Yeah, I totally agree. You have a hobby. It might be, yeah, it might be
1: fun, but if it's not making you money. An expensive
0: hobby. hobby. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, but I was just thinking when you're talking about uh, the offers, I think one of the things people forget to check in with themselves too is if you really look at the specific kind of client you want to work with, assuming you've niched down. You also have to check in and say, have I designed my offer so that it really meets the way that type of client buys and consumes, right? Because, and you and I went through a little bit of this with your offers. If we're targeting um, executives and presidents and CEOs, they have a very different way they will typically like to learn because they are busy and that's super different than how a coach who's maybe just starting out or who's wanting to grow their business is going to buy and consume. So knowing your niche actually dictates how you design, sell, and deliver a program.
0: Yeah, and 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 once again, I think, you know, we've all got skills that, you know, we need to dust off now and again. And one of the benefits of the Coca-Cola Company was the amount of consumer research they did. So they always did the research before they launched the product, right? And you know, that's why they've been so successful. And I was, you know, involved in, you know, some of the most successful consumer good product launches in the world. And that's because they did that research up front. Right. And I think Often what we do is we get an intuitive, you know, where if we do run our own businesses, the good thing is that we've got no one else to really answer to. So we can make quick decisions. That's great. But sometimes what we do is go in based off our own assumptions. And all of a sudden we've got an offer out to the world and it suits us, which is great. But is, is that really what your clients want? You know, so I think doing that, that research component, I think is super important. And we've got a great way of doing that through LinkedIn. So that's you know, working very successfully because you've now got the audience. In the old days, you'd have to go to an agency to get the audience. The audience is already there, which is great. And you can pinpoint them through ser- searches and filters on LinkedIn. But I do think it's really important to validate that offer before you put it out to the world. Now, I'm not saying that it's got to be slow. That can happen quickly. But I think that's the bit that I had been missing. And that's the bit that you brought up, even though I had it in my background, you brought it to the full.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I want to skip over to LinkedIn because it is one of the go-to strategies that you use. And you know, I think a lot of people are recognizing that LinkedIn is a very valuable platform and they're lost over on LinkedIn. They're like, what are we supposed to be doing? Things are always changing. What I was doing for a while isn't working anymore. Is it possible to really develop quality connections and leads in our niches through leveraging LinkedIn?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the most important thing is, you know, not the car before the horse, right? So I think if, if you actually niche down, you have your profile that looks great, that's going to make it so much easier for you when you do reach out to people. Because, you know, we, we all sort of follow a similar habit. Someone sends you a connection request, you go, oh, my God, this could be another person pitching to me. So you'll go and look at it. And the first thing you'll do is go and look at their profile and you look at their content, right? And if someone, as we said before, profile, it's like bang spot on. Yes, this person's actually talking my language. But the other thing is, they go to your posts, and they see that you're actually posting really valuable content, that you're getting lots of engagement on that content. They're like, okay, well, this person, you know, might not be just someone that's looking to spam me, they actually are an authority in this particular topic. And I'm a little more interested. So I think that's, Uh, the real power of having the profile and the posting work together. And um, then it makes it easier when you do outreach. Now, what we do recommend these days is that, you know, it is a hybrid. So, i.e. it's um, using email, it's using maybe phone. That's right. We can still phone customers. I think we forget about that. Uh, Using SMS and also LinkedIn messages. So, it's a combination of touch points these days. I think just doing LinkedIn outreach. So, for example, before we actually do uh, reach out to someone, we pre-engage. So we make sure that you know we're on their radar by looking at their content, commenting, engaging on their content. Then we actually send an email saying that we're going to send a connection request, so it doesn't just randomly appear. So there's that element. Then we send the connection request, we thank them, and then we send a personalised message. So that's very different to a lot of the messages received, receive, which is, I don't know what you do. Um, I've got this product to sell you. Would you like to buy it?
1: Okay. I'm glad we're talking about LinkedIn. I got to say a couple things about LinkedIn while we're here, because I actually avoided LinkedIn for a long time because I felt like it had become such a spammy place. And you were yeah. mentioning that, but thanks to you and I have to give you full credit for this. You kind of woke me back up to the value of LinkedIn. So when you were talking about it, I'm like, all right, maybe I've been a little too stubborn here. And so here's a, you know, I love LinkedIn for what can happen there, but let me just give you a couple of things to not do. Really follow Paul's process that he just laid out. Because when you're reaching out to people who are your ideal clients in your niche or other influencers that you want to collaborate with, the worst thing you can do is just like send them a connection request with nothing else. Like I actually ignore them unless I actually know the person, I ignore them. And usually I delete them. So it's super important to to kind of have some kind of connection. Secondly, do not pitch a podcaster in the first message. Yes. And we just like, just like, let's just make this point come home. for Cause I know you get them too, Paul, bad yeah. idea, really bad idea. It's not going to get you on their podcast. I don't know. You want to say anything about that one, Paul?
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I totally agree. And, you know, for some podcasts, um, you know, it, it might be a three month or a six month journey. Like I'll, I'll always listen to someone's podcast before I ever get my, you know, me and my team to engage on them. But I'll, you know, if I if if I pick up something that's great, I'll certainly you know let them know that. If there's something that uh, I think could be improved, because I don't always listen to my own podcast, and I didn't realise I had a date stamp on some of my videos until someone reached out and told me. Right, so I'm always giving helpful tips to them, and you know, if you do. Um, Then, you know, so you're building that credibility up and it's the classic, you know, you always want to deposit before you withdraw in someone's emotional bank account. So, you know, they're humans And, and it's good to know, you know, is it going through an agency? You know, how do they do it? So how do they look for guests? You know, asking questions like that before pitching is going to get you in a much better much better space. But humans are humans. We'd love to be treated. I always say, you know, just treat people how you like to be treated. You'll go the right way. And, you know, you don't like to be pitched to. So, you know, it works the exact same way uh, for podcasters. We don't love to be pitched to and un- unless, um, you know, you've given us a bit of courtesy. Yeah. Just nurture it a little bit
1: first. That's all yeah. I ask my friends. That's all I ask. <laughs> Show that you appreciate the work of the podcast before you try and get on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is do do some homework, right? So oh, you know, like. if you've got a specific topic and you know that they haven't had that on, are, are they looking for that topic? Is that something that their audience is um, interested in? So, you know, the more helpful you can be, the, the easier it is for their job um, or easier that it makes our job as a podcaster.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Paul, I, I, we, you brought this up earlier, and I think now's a great time to share one of your resources. Um, you were talking about how important it is to really identify your ideal client as part of this niching process. If somebody is in that stage and they're looking for the best way to really get clear on their ideal client, what's the best resource you have for them?
0: Yeah. So, so we've developed a, a template on the ideal client. So if you go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash ICP, it's there. And I've got to say that it's not just my experience alone. So yes, I've got a lot of people from the co-company that I've taken from that. Yes, some of my own experience, but I've worked with people like yourself, Melanie, where you gave me some tips. I've worked with guys like Taki Moore, where he gave me certain tips. So it's a culmination of my you know, really my 28 years into a template. And just the one thing that um, I think is super powerful that a lot of people uh, forget is who goes before you and who goes after you. And what do I mean by that? So a quick example. So I had someone selling a, a software and they're like, you know, I'm really difficult. I'm finding it difficult to get leads. And I said, well, who goes before you? And we ended up realizing that private equity firms right? So they'll go in and they'll invest in a company because they were selling a finance software. And they ended up being a perfect partner. So you may have seen lots of ideal client templates before, but I think this one where it's unique is that it's got that who goes before and who goes after you, which can be brilliant referral partners or affiliate partners for you because a one-to-many sale, to me, I'll always take over a one-to-one sale.
1: I love that. No, it's a really great system. I will link this up in the show notes, but again, it's paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash i c p. Paul, this is my abs- I love talking to you about all this stuff, but this is my favorite part of the episode because I love asking the more personal questions and letting people get to know you a little bit more, what your journey's been like to becoming the business owner and the success that you are today. What would you say is the boldest thing you've had to do up to now to get where you are right, right at this point in your journey?
0: Yeah, I think leaving uh directorship at Coca-Cola, you know, it's something that uh, I'd always aspired to. My dad worked there, which actually made it harder for me to work there. But, um, you know, just to see dad, well, for dad to see me reach that level, he was incredibly proud. And then we we're picking olives one day uh, on his farm. And I said, I'm going to leave. And he's like, what? Like, isn't this what you've always dreamt of? And I'm like, no, dad, uh, I've always dreamt of protecting my family. And with my inherited condition, I don't believe that um, corporate is going to be the best place for me to be in. So that was probably the boldest decision I made. All of my friends at the time thought I was bat crazy. And uh, it's funny now, uh, you know, unfortunately, with the way that COVID and everything's turned out, everyone's coming to me and saying, hey, you've been working in your track pants for 10 years. How, how do I do that? How do I work from home? How do I run my own business? How do I take control? So it was, it was really bold back in 2011 to do it, but it um, turned out to be the best decision I've ever made.
1: Little did you know you were going to be a trailblazer 10 years later, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I do say it takes 10 years. <laughs> That's right. Be an overnight success.
1: <laughs> exactly. What's one thing you wish you would have done sooner?
0: I think get, uh, get, a mentor that was uh, where I wanted to go, right? So I've always had mentors, which is fantastic. But, you know, sometimes I'll pick people that have been highly intelligent but may not have the experience that I was about to go through. So, you know, that's why I want to, you know, help... cloud partners because it's the experience i've been through i can live it firsthand so i wish i had have done that sooner rather than taking you know people that were highly intelligent uh but they weren't always people that had um domain or you know niche experience like i'm talking about now
1: yeah well said well said and you know i think everybody um It takes them a while sometimes to find that great mentor. And I know you make a great mentor for your ideal clients. And I've loved working with you as well. So thank you. (laughs) And I want to really challenge you as you're listening in today. I want you to look at your niche. And I want you to ask yourself, if somebody read your LinkedIn profile or they went to your website, do they get who you specialize in or what you specialize in? in three minutes or less, or sorry, three seconds or less, because literally it's that first glance where people get it. And if not, you want to make sure you're downloading Paul's resource, get yourself a coach or a mentor, find someone to help you really pull that out of you because it's probably in your blind spot. Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to spotlight you and dig into this conversation around niching a little bit more.
0: Yeah. And, and thank you for really putting that sunshine back in my life. You know, it was a little clouded when I first met you, but now it's bright and sunny and uh, really appreciate you having me on the show today, but also everything you've done for me behind the scenes as well.
1: You are so welcome. Makes my day, makes my, makes my year to hear the sunshine is back in your life. <laughs>